listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast, where we're just helping the world wake up and read the labels. Why? So you can feel your best. We collaborate with brains and experts to find the cleanest options for all areas of your life. So today, we are talking about intermittent fasting. That's right. You might have heard things, you know, eat for eight hours of the day, hold off for 16, or what do I actually eat? Do I eat really anything I want and then just restrict myself from eating? These are questions that we're going to be diving into. I'm going live today with Jen Stevens, a best-selling author, in addition to the host of the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast, as well as Life Lessons podcast. And also, let's not forget, she's a mom of two sons and four cats. Let's dive into what you got to do to get started. You said that your name is Jin and my name is Jin as well. And the funny thing is whenever people ask me for my name, I'll be like, oh, my name's Jin. And they write G-I-N. And I think, okay, that's why when most people meet me, I always say, hi, my name's Jennifer. So they can right. figure that out. But you said you're Southern. Where are you from? Well, I am in South Carolina now. I was born in Augusta, Georgia. Didn't live in Georgia, actually, though, until I was an adult. But my family has very deep South Carolina roots. So I'm back in South Carolina, living on the coast, feeling very much like I'm back home. But yeah, I'm Jen for Virginia. So I am G-I-N, Virginia, and you're Jen, J-E-N. But I can't say them differently. In some parts of the country, they say G-I-N and J-E-N differently, but I'm unable to. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love that. So Southern Girl here, New Orleans. And oh, awesome. I know that you're a best selling author. What's the name of your book? Well, I have a bunch of books. <laughs> bunch of books. Yeah, I do. My New York Times bestseller is Fast Feast Repeat. It's a book about living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I also have a book that I think would really be of interest to your audience, and it's called Cleanish. It came out in January of 2022, so just over a year as of this recording date. But the subtitle of that one is Eat Mostly Clean, Live Mainly Clean, and Unlock Your Body's Natural Ability to Self-Clean. It is not an intermittent fasting book. However, intermittent fasting is one of the self-cleaning tools that I talk about in there. So someone does not have to be an intermittent faster to get a lot out of cleanish. Okay. And so that's going to lead me into my first question I wrote down. But I'm curious, I haven't read your book, Cleanish, but I, I did see it online when I looked you up. And so I definitely am interested in that. And I'm sure, likewise, a lot of listeners are. Tell me, do you identify eating clean as whole foods, meaning the perimeter, the outer aisle of the market? So meat, fish, vegetables, and fruit. Is that what clean is to you? It is. You know, it's real food and avoiding the additives the best that you can. But again, I've got that ish in the parentheses because yeah. it's impossible. I've found it's impossible to be 100% perfect and you can absolutely make yourself crazy. Yeah. Like you can never leave your house or go anywhere to eat or not know what you're eating. And so I'm just like, well, you know, I'm going to control what I can and make the best choices that I can when I'm in control of it. 
and not stress about it when I'm not. Because I'm a big believer in, you know, the, your overall bucket of toxins, you know, is whatever size that your body can handle. But we want to put in as few things as we can control because things are coming at you from all sides. So... Absolutely. I love that. I'm all about balance right. too. I think a lot of people misconceptualize what I'm doing. They're like, hold on, it has to be perfect. And it's like, right. no, listen, right now what you're doing, it's really not perfect. So we need to get to like that 80-20. That way you can go still exactly. live your life, go to those events, go out to eat if you want to take a night off going out to eat, things like that. So I love it. And I tell people, hey, clean is, the epitome of clean is shopping the outer aisle, the meat, the fish, the vegetables, right. and the fruit. However, if you love quesadillas, you love pizza, you want ice cream, you want sandwiches and warm bread and things like that, guess what? That's where the importance of reading the labels comes in because there are ethical companies out there producing foods made with these real ingredients our body can recognize. And so it's really overcoming the food industry choices and starting to see beyond that marketing of, hey, that looks healthy, but is it really? And becoming educated. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I teach in Cleanish is how to start from where you are today and every little change you make is improving yeah. you know, where you're going, whether it's changing your shampoo. That's easy. Yep. Well, I mean, I say that's easy. Actually, shampoo <laughs> changing is very hard. <laughs> or it can be, but... <laughs> you ever read the back of a shampoo bottle? I have. Even the clean ones, it's like, wait a second, what? Do I want acid in my head? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that's right. That's why I like to have all the shortcuts for how I don't have to think so hard. <laughs> Exactly. It takes a lot of time, but it is, you guys, it is a snowball effect. So starting small, adding on every day or every week adds up to big monumentous things. So uh, I guess share a little bit about you, Jen. I know we already spilled the beans that you're a best-selling author and that you're the host of the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast, as well as Life Lessons podcast, which by the way, does all your listeners love your accent? Well, you know, most people do after they get to know me, but I did have somebody, it was actually kind of hilarious and sad, but also hilarious. After I read my audiobook for Fast Feast Repeat and it came out and people were listening to it, somebody took the time to go to my website, click the feedback button and to tell me how much she hated my Southern accent that I should not have read my book. I'm like, thank you so much, but my listeners know me. And so they would have been very disappointed had I not read it myself. Anyway, so not everyone loves a Southern accent, but you know what? You can't please everybody. (laughs) I don't worry about that. Off topic, I did read this book. I forgot which book it was. Maybe it's called Expert Secrets. And it says, if you are not pissing off at least one person every day by 12 o'clock, you're not doing a good enough job. So fabulous. Yeah. Yes. I used to like those things, you know, take me down. I was like, man, somebody's really mad at how I talk. But now it's like, all right, I'm reaching enough people. That means, I mean, I can't change that. (laughs) Yep. Helping enough people, making an impact that, hey, we're going to take this with a grain of salt. Exactly. So, you know, I was a school teacher for 28 years. So I learned that you're not doing your job if you're not making people mad at you. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So share a little bit about you, who you are, what you do. All right. Well, I am 53 and a retired school teacher. (gasps) You look amazing. Well, thank you. That's intermittent fasting right there. Dang, girl. You are like four (laughs) years younger than my mother. What? Do you know that? Wow. My mother was a very young mom, though. Yeah. Very young. 
Well, okay. So I'm like your mom. <laughs> no, you're not. You're, you're might be cooler. Might be cooler. Well, I like to think so. I was just in New Orleans, by the way, and I had such a great time while I was there. I felt pretty cool while I was in New Orleans. <laughs> but I was obese. So I'll go straight to that part of the okay. story. I, I struggled with my weight for a lot of years. Even before I struggled with my weight, I thought I was struggling with my weight. And I think probably a lot of people can understand that. You know, I had a mom who was a dance teacher, so I watched her struggle with her weight and, you know, trying to have that ideal dancer's body, which, by the way, our genetics did not gift us with. You know, she was a dance teacher, not a ballerina. She taught ballerinas, but she did not have the ballerina body. And it was really hard for her. And I didn't have it either. You know, we're pear-shaped people. (laughs) We have squishy thighs, and it's how we're built. But, you know, she taught me from an early age that we were supposed to pick our bodies apart and not be satisfied with them. Mm. So it's no surprise that when I went to college and gained the freshman 15, I came home and started dieting. That was the first time I ever absolutely started a diet, you know, and I lost the weight, went back to college, you know, that started the yo-yo of ups and downs, ups and downs. I was always able to get back down. Then started having kids. I had my boys in 98 and 99. And I remember after the second child, I was, you know, I got on the scale one day and I weighed 163, which doesn't sound like a lot maybe, but that's how much I weighed when I went into the hospital to have my first child. So I was like, oh no, I have to do something. Yeah, And that really got me off on the cycle of more and more drastic things. Really, the turning point was I had a friend. She was a teacher with me. She was all of a sudden looking amazing. I'm like, what are you doing? She was taking prescription diet pills. And that was probably the worst thing I could have done, but it started me on the real yo-yo of Mm -hmm. losing weight, gaining more. It was a very unhealthy way you know, to lose weight. And I felt awful, but you know, you're getting it from a doctor. So, you know, what did I know? I was in my thirties. It seemed great. A doctor gave it to me. How could it be wrong? So eventually I yo-yoed myself right up to 210 pounds. Wow. And you know, I'm, I'm five, five. So I was obese. I was officially obese and I felt terrible. This was 2014. I came home from a, a cruise with my family after barely being able to move around on the excursions, you know, feeling like I was stuffed into my clothes. I couldn't move around. It felt just bad. I didn't recognize myself in the photos. And I vowed I was going to make a change this time. I was no longer going to yo-yo. And this was it. And I you know, started down the yo-yo road again. But eventually, by the end of the summer of 2014, I was intermittent fasting and I never quit. And I went on to lose 80 pounds and I have maintained it. You know, I just went through my ninth holiday season as an intermittent faster. And, you know, my jeans still fit on the other side of Christmas like they did before. So I, I have all the tools that I need to not yo yo. You know, ever since I lost that weight, I've never yo yoed again and it's amazing. Okay. So who introduced you to intermittent fasting? What turned you on to that? I had a diet book hobby, right? I was one of those people looking for answers. So, You know, when I was bored, I would go to Amazon and I would look at the diet category. And I'm like, what's new in the diet category? And I'd look at the books. Like, what am I missing here? Yeah, I'd read the reviews. I knew the answer was in a diet book somewhere at the magical foods that were going to make me lose the weight. I even, you know, went through some eat clean phase. What Tosca, what's her last name? Tosca Reno. I can't remember. She wrote some books about eating clean. Mm -hmm. This is well before I started with intermittent fasting. But I wasn't ready for that either, but I was always trying to find that next best thing. So I actually came across intermittent fasting in a few different iterations in the years between 2009 and 2014. 
I knew there was something there that seemed Mm -hmm. like it would work for me, but I couldn't make it stick. You know, now I understand the science of, of how our bodies have to change when we become intermittent fasters and how we have to become fat adapted. I understand a whole lot more about it now. And so I can go back and see where I went wrong. You know, I never gave it enough time. I never let my body adjust. I expected miraculous results immediately. So I would quit. So from 09 to 2014, I would try, you know, the eating window approach, the eight-hour diet came out during that time, didn't work for me. I now know why. Mm -hmm. Alternate daily fasting, there were a few books like that. The 5-2 diet got really popular. That's an intermittent fasting approach. And I just dabbled. I was a dabbler. So it wasn't until 2014, like I said, I was obese and I was just so tired of looking at that diet section. And so I was like, this is it. Thank goodness it stuck that time. I'm curious, you said eight-hour approach. Does that mean eating in an eight-hour window? Yes. And if you go back to that book, the original book that popularized 16-8 was called The Eight-Hour Diet. And it was completely written and sold as eat whatever you want in an eight-hour period of time, and you will effortlessly lose all the weight you want, and you can just eat literally whatever and as much of you as you want in eight hours. Well, I was like, all right, bring it on. You're like, here we go. (laughs) Well, guess what? (laughs) My body is not a body that can eat a bunch of whatever I want. Like, you know, like I like to say it in all caps, like whatever I want, you know, I can't eat like that in an eight hour period and lose weight. Now I understand why, you know, I can eat a lot of food in eight hours and say my body never has time or the need to tap into fat stores for fuel. Do you think someone that's trying the 16-8, for example, and they're just eating, quote unquote, whatever they want, right? Do you think by the time they get to that eight hours, they're going to feel kind of, you know, lightheaded? They're going to feel starving, want to eat everything in sight, and they're just going to continuously eat? Or does, I think a lot of people go to this approach because they think they look at it as, oh, it's going to subside my hunger cues and I'm going to eat less calories they look at, or I'm going to get less carbs. So it's going to help me hit my health goals, right? Isn't that why people are doing this? Well, we understand, you know, we used to think like back when I was struggling with intermittent fasting all those years, we genuinely thought that the only reason that intermittent fasting, you know, quote, worked is because it allowed you to eat fewer calories in a period of time. Now we understand there's so much more to what's going on during the fasting time than just whether you're eating fewer calories or not. Obviously, you cannot begin to eat more calories than you were eating before and expect to lose weight. But the, the body is a whole lot more complicated than calories in, calories out because, you know, there's so many hormones behind the scenes controlling what's happening, what your insulin is doing. For example, if you have really high levels of insulin all the time, you're not going to be able to tap into your fat stores very well until you bring those down. So there's a lot of things going on. But, you know, the whole idea of eating you know, whatever you want within this period of time was very attractive. But when we realize, you know, how the body works and, you know, how you actually begin to tap into your stored fat, you realize that you can't put more in, in an eating window than your body needs, even in an eating window. So intermittent fasting is a great tool. It provides so many amazing metabolic changes that will have you lower your insulin levels. You will be able to tap into your fat stores, but it's a matter of balancing the fasting time with your eating window time. You know, and someone who's like a really light eater who like just eats little meals, maybe an eight hour window would be right for them or maybe a very active man. But for me, it just, it was not a weight loss approach for my body. 
Okay. So let's start tapping into some logistics of this tool, intermittent fasting, right? So most listeners, I would say, are women between the ages of 30, 35, and about 65. That's who's listening here. So hi, ladies. How does fasting differ for, say, them versus someone else? For the women in that age group? Yeah. Well, that's a very broad age group. And as someone okay. who's on, <laughs> who's 53. So maybe we should go pre-menopause and post. What do you think about that? I have a very different body at 53 than I had at 43 even, or at 33. So at 33, you know, I'm just still in my reproductive peak. Yeah. And at 33, you know, my hormones were still doing what they needed to do. I was having regular cycles and things were very, very different. Then as you start to go through perimenopause and your hormones start to change, your body responds differently to things. So the whole perimenopause journey is is one thing. And then when you get to the other side of menopause, which I am, I went through menopause at 51, which is the exact average age. I'm very, very average. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, I um, boy, were the hormonal changes unexpected. And I did not gain weight back because I was continuing to do intermittent fasting along the way. My waist size went up a little bit after menopause, but I've started hormone replacement therapy. And mm-hmm. I started that in August of 22 and my waist went back to normal. So that was good. <laughs> the waist is such an indicator, right? It is. I mean, everything starts with the gut. And so I tell people that like when my husband and I first started eating clean about a decade ago, we lost weight, but it was really our waist size. It was like when you wake up in the morning and you are not bloated and your stomach is not in pain and your pants just fit and you feel, I say if you feel good, you look even better. That's true. That's such an indicator when you wake up in the morning. So if you're waking up, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so bloated and I'm in so Mm -hmm. much pain or they're running to the bathroom, like clearly sign something in your body's going on. Absolutely. And I use my waist measurement to know what's really happening. I have not weighed myself since 2017. Yeah, I like that. I just go by my my honesty pants and I know how I feel. Like I knew when my waist was going up a little bit and I also knew why. So the women who are on the upper end of that, you know, on the perimenopause, making the menopausal transition, weight loss is a lot more elusive during that period of time. And, you know, there are reasons why. You know, our, our female hormones... I didn't know all of this because really, unless you're out seeking it out or you're a medical professional, we just don't know. Like our our moms didn't tell us, or at least my my generation's moms didn't tell us. So hopefully we'll do a better job telling y'all. But <laughs> I had no idea. I just thought the girly hormones gave you whether you had a period or not. And once that was over, you were done, boop, boop, done. Easy peasy, wrong. <laughs> yeah. The girly hormones do a lot more things in your body than just manage, you know, your cycle. Like, for example, your blood sugar management is related to your female hormones. I didn't know that. You know, I I had some data from before I went through menopause. I had an A1C level and a fasted insulin level. And then I had the recent data from this past summer. And both my A1C and my fasted insulin level were not as good as they had been in 2019 before I went through menopause. Mm-hmm. And so then went on hormone replacement therapy, got those numbers checked again. They were back down better than they had been in 2019. So ladies who are listening, there's a lot of confusion about hormone replacement therapy, but you want bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. You want to find a doctor who really understands it. Yeah. If your doctor says, oh, that's a little dangerous, then you need a different doctor mm-hmm. because you know I'm, I'm in a health and wellness community that has a lot of you know, natural-minded, naturopathic, functional medicine type practitioners in it, and they are all on board with bioidentical hormone replacement therapy based on the latest understanding 
and how it affects us as we continue to age. Yeah, I love that. There's so much power. And I am not a hormone expert, so. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you found the people that have dealt with it and done it successfully, right? And it has really made a difference. So any, I'm sure. That was just to say, for anybody who's struggling with their weight and in the perimenopausal to menopausal area, you need to find a practitioner who's skilled in, in managing those hormones and keep looking yeah. till you find one. Exactly. Keep looking. Don't take no for an answer. Yeah. So let's start with some starting points to intermittent fasting. Okay. How should someone, um, and if we need to put them back in different categories, you know, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-plus or something, how does someone begin the process? What should they start with? Well, everyone begins at the same point. You know, you can assume that you'll probably have a metabolically unflexible body. And we want to be metabolically flexible, which means your body is able to tap into fat stores when you're fasting. So you have to approach this from, I like to think of it as building up your fasting muscle the same way if you were going to run a 5K. Mm -hmm. So if you were very, very sedentary and you're like, now I'm going to run a 5K, you do not get up off your couch and go outside and run a 5K. Instead, you might do a couch to 5K program where you gradually, you walk a little bit, then you run a few steps and you walk a little more till eventually you can run that 5K. And that's how I want you to approach it fasting. In my book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, I have a chapter. It introduces something I call the 28-day fast start. And that is just designed to build up your fasting muscle. We don't expect weight loss during that period. We don't expect to feel amazing because you're learning how to do something new. And when you go to Fast, Feast, Repeat and look at the 28-day fast start chapter, there's a quiz you can take to help you figure out one of three approaches that might work best for you. You can ease in slowly. And if you're really metabolically unhealthy and you've been overweight for decades, for example, your body will probably do better to a slower, more gradual approach. It's also going to take your body longer to adapt. So know that. If you're someone, though, who is pretty good health and you've not been struggling with your weight, you just want to do intermittent fasting, maybe to lose the last 10 pounds or something, but you're fairly healthy, then you may be able to go straight to the the rip off the Band-Aid approach. But none of these are set in stone and you're always in charge. You can scale it up or scale it back as you're going. And so, you know, I walk you through that in the the fast start chapter so that you are absolutely going at your own pace, learning to listen to your body and figuring it out as you go. It's meant to empower everyone to design a process that feels good to them. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm with that. I love that. So what are some common things people struggle with when they're starting? Well, you know, you're not going to feel great because you're going to have, you know, mental fog, (laughs) brain fog. It's flu-like, right? It absolutely could be. So think about this. Most of the population, I don't know what percentage is, but it's high in the 90s, right? I would estimate. Most of the population is not metabolically flexible. They are sugar burners. And I'm not saying it's bad to burn sugar. I'm just saying it's bad to only be able to burn sugar. Mm-hmm. And the way that happened, you know, we're born metabolically flexible. But over time, we become used to eating all the time. You know, we yep. wake up in the morning and we have our breakfast. Then we have a snack. Then we have our lunch. Yep. Then we have a snack. Then we have our dinner. Then we have a snack. And so every time your blood sugar starts to go down, your body says, all right, send in some more fuel. You send it in. I'm tired. Yep. You're stuck on that blood sugar roller coaster. And I can remember back when I was obese and struggling with my weight and trying to diet in the diets that were, you know, that had you eating frequent small meals. You're constantly 
cycling up and down, up and down, up and down. And when the blood sugar goes low, well, your body then could tap into your stored fat, except it doesn't remember how to because it hasn't had to do that in so long. So that's the whole point of becoming metabolically flexible with fasting. Eventually, your body will figure out, wait a minute, there's plenty of stored fuel here. Let's access that. And once that metabolic switch flips, you feel so much better. Your brain becomes well-fueled from, you know, your, your body's able to take that stored fat use it for fuel, converts it into ketones for your brain. That's great fuel for your brain. And you do not have to, this is not the point where I tell you you have to do a keto diet. I do not do a keto diet. I eat all foods. Right. But yeah, your fasting leads to ketosis, you know, daily, depending on your, your eating window and your fasting length. So you feel such great mental clarity and you lose that, like moving through jello feeling. Absolutely. It really is an amazing way to live. I feel better now. Uh-huh. Like let's you know, we're recording this. It's twelve thirty p.m. here where I am, and I haven't eaten yet. I'm still in a fasted state. Same. If I go back to the old me that used to wake up in the morning and have breakfast, and then a latte, and then the lunch, most important meal of the day, right? Your breakfast, right? By this point, I would be like on that roller coaster of needing fuel, fuel, fuel. Whereas right now, I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. I've read this book, and it talks about if you ever want to overcome. Like everybody in the room you're having a meeting with, you should bring in a box of snacks for the meeting and just <laughs> let everyone have the snacks, right? Whether they're good or bad. And you just sit back and watch everyone because they're all of a sudden going to be melting and fading. They're going to crash, especially if it's like donuts or something, right? Exactly. Bring in a box of donuts. Ooh, that's a power move. <laughs> I know. I was in a meeting, this board meeting. It was a two-day event. It was like nine hours each day. And at one o'clock, they're like, okay. We had lunch, you know, two hours ago. Everybody go grab a donut or a croissant. And I'm like, that is complete opposite of what we need to continue sitting here in this room. So right. I would like to know, Jen, you said that it's 1230. You haven't eaten. Do you intermittent fast every day? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a daily eating window every day. That's just the way I live. You know, I don't feel well when I eat too early in the day, unless it's a very special occasion. Yeah. And even then, you know, I'm going to have to make the trade off of... <laughs> how I feel the rest of the day. For sure. So do you have a kind of ceremonial food or drink that you break your fast with, or is it kind of all over? You know, it really depends. I have realized over the years that I tend to eat seasonally and I tend to like gravitate towards certain things at certain times of the year, not on purpose, but it just like, for example, it's cold now or it's winter. And I tend to gravitate towards wanting to open with a bowl of something hot. I love Daily Harvest. Have you ever had Daily Harvest? Absolutely, yes. Love them. They they are one of my go-to ways to open my window. I'll have one of their harvest bowls. And, you know, it's satisfying. And then later, I'll have a, you know, healthy dinner. But in the summer, maybe I want to open with, you know, vegetables and hummus. Mm -hmm. It's a little more cooling, a glass of kombucha. Right now, I'm drinking a mug of hot water because it's so soothing. You know, in the summer, I'm more likely to be drinking a cold mineral water. So it really just depends on a lot of different things like time of the year, what's around. I also love these days I'm having avocado toast to open my window. Yesterday, I threw a couple of eggs on there and just it was delicious. Okay. So it sounds like you have a little bit slightly of intuitive eating in addition to this intermittent fasting, right? Absolutely. 
you feel like those go hand in hand. Well, here's what's so fascinating about that. In all of the years prior to when I was doing intermittent fasting, you know, several things really resonated with me. Intermittent fasting did, so did intuitive eating. So I read all the books on intuitive eating, and they all said, you know, eat the foods that you want to eat with no judgment and stop when you've had enough. And if you want to eat, ask yourself, am I hungry? The problem was- A lot of people couldn't do that for like McDonald's, you know? I love McDonald's. Well, if I asked myself, am I hungry? The answer was always yes. Right. So are you hungry? Yes. That actually was what I was doing right before I got to 210 pounds. I was doing intuitive eating. I intuitively ate my way up because I did not have any kind of connection with my satiety signals at that point. But intermittent fasting reconnected me with them. So it was only through intermittent fasting that I finally learned what it meant to be an intuitive eater. So I now consider myself to be a very intuitive eater, and I know what my body needs and when my body needs it, and I know what my body doesn't need. <laughs> and I'm able to hear my hunger and satiety signals again, and it, it's amazing. Beautiful. So to wrap things up, I'm curious, do you have a story about one of your clients or maybe one of your followers, someone in your community that just has this very motivating story along with how your intermittent fasting technique has helped them? Well, I've got hundreds of those stories that everyone could listen to. I know. It's always hard to pick. For anyone who, and I know your your audience loves to listen to podcasts, go find the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast and just choose any of them. There are a bunch of them that really over the years have you know, meant a lot to me. I've been recording it since 2018. And, you know, the story of, you know, of a girl, Roxy, she's also a friend of mine now. I didn't know her well at the time, but she began intermittent fasting, didn't lose any weight for months, went back to the doctor, found out over the time she'd been doing intermittent fasting and not losing any weight, she had completely cleared out a fatty liver. She no longer had a fatty liver. Mm. You know, that was a very powerful story because it lets us know that intermittent fasting is always working on something inside your body. And, you know, is it good for you to have a fatty liver? No. She didn't quit because she believed in intermittent fasting, but it was totally clearing out the fat from her fatty liver. And had she quit, that would have not happened. And now she's doing great. It's years later and she's she's in a much better place and has lost weight. You know, I recently interviewed a couple that do intermittent fasting together. The wife started first, then the husband joined her. He actually had been in a car accident years ago, and his muscle in, in one of his arms was completely atrophied. He couldn't put on deodorant, for example, using that arm. He could not use that arm at all. After doing intermittent fasting, his muscle started to grow back. He's got full range of motion in his arm. Oh, my gosh. These are the types of stories that just sound like unbelievable. Like if I wrote a book and said, your atrophied muscles will get better. I mean, <laughs> you can't make those claims. But people are telling those stories. It's such a healing way to live. And, you know, I like to call intermittent fasting the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. And really, you know, we've all heard the idea that we have to lose weight to get healthy, but I think we have it backwards. We have to get healthy to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And intermittent fasting will help you do both of those things as long as you're looking at it you know, as a lifestyle, a long-term approach, and realizing all the amazing things that it can do for you. Wow. Such motivating, moving stories. I love that because as we were mentioned earlier, like if you're talking to your doctor about certain things and 
they are saying, you know, this is the pill is the way they have a pill for all the ills. Right. And I'm sure those both stories you just told with the fatty liver, the muscle situation is like, Hey, you can either do surgery or you can get on this medication for the rest of your life. And so it's great for listeners to understand that there is this other holistic real way that our bodies were supposed to operate. And it's not that doctors don't necessarily, they're not doing wrong. They're doing what they have learned. And so intermittent fasting isn't taught to them. And so it's done by grassroots styles, people like you and I working with clients and seeing these real results and understanding that, hey, here's how to implement it. So for everyone listening, go check out Jen Stevens, spelled G-I-N, by the way. So jenstevens.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at Jen Stevens. And Jen, do you have any other ways that the audience can get involved in your community or get some intermittent fasting help? Well, you know, the best way is to all roads lead through jenstevens.com. Stevens is with a PH, but I also have a, a community. And I used to be very active on Facebook, but left Facebook in what year is it? <laughs> in 2021. And so we have a, a community that's off of Facebook and you can find it through jenstevens.com slash community. It's a paid community, but it's a great place to be because just having that safe place where people can feel protected and yeah. like they can be themselves makes all the difference. I love that. Well, thanks so much for coming on, sharing your story. Hopefully you have enlightened someone that was curious about intermittent fasting and gave them just some practical ways to start it. And also they can see what can potentially happen in their life. Well, thank you. I appreciate you, Jen. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Hold up. 